there is a trigger warning for this episode. Please note the following conversation contains open discussion about domestic violence, including emotional and physical abuse, sexual assault, disordered eating and self-harm. This is a personal account of a lived experience of domestic abuse. This is not intended to serve as advice or facts. This episode is very different to normal. I sat down with my friend and discussed her lived experience of being in an abusive relationship. This is not scripted. It's very candid and open. And because of that, this episode contains language that some viewers may find offensive. I wanted to bring you an episode like this because we have covered and will continue to cover cases that involve domestic or emotional abuse. I have received messages asking Sally and I why we think people don't leave their abusers, why people don't report their abusers, and other questions along these kind of lines. I hope that this episode can give you some insight into what people in abusive relationships go through at the hands of their abusive partner and what that abuse can do to individuals mentally. I hope it can shed some light on why people might not leave their abusive partners and what we can all do to notice the signs in our friends, co-workers and family. If, whilst listening to this episode, you are affected by the conversation we are having, please see the description box of this episode for helplines. I'll also highlight these helplines and advice lines at the end of this episode. For now though, let's get into the episode. Okay, so, hello Lucy, would you like to introduce yourself so everyone can recognise your voice? (laughs) Yes, sure. So I'm Lucy. Um, I studied with Nadia actually at university. Mm -hmm. Um, We both did law together um, and I am going into the legal profession, but as a barrister as opposed to a solicitor. Um, And I was in a really horrific relationship of domestic violence um, um, in 2019 of uh, about eight months. But to be honest, it felt like my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got out of that, um, I'm going to say... November ish 2019 mm-hmm. and then yeah it was it was around that it was a bit murky because separating from an abuser is really like a really difficult time so there was no sort of set time I quit because or, or left because I kept going back and then mm-hmm. but I would say around November that was when it sort of finalized um so I've been away from him over a year now which mm-hmm. is really exciting um, and I'm finally getting myself back, which is a really nice feeling. Um, sort of in the breakdown of him, I didn't really know who I was. Mm. Um, and I've got that back now, which is which is quite nice. So that's and a brief you, background. And you are literally <laughs> fucking excelling at life. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. you. Really, really are. There's a quote that that's like um, the the good times come after the the bad. There's something about a storm, but I just was it the, the yeah the, the yeah eloquently put loose. <laughs> really good really well done (laughs) that's what I thought thank you (laughs) so yeah we went to uni together and yeah we both studied law and then we Mm -hmm. so we graduated from uni in 2018 didn't we yeah and Mm -hmm. you just dropped off the face of the earth and more or less yeah you you disappeared from social medias you kind of disappeared Mm -hmm. from life um and it was a Mm -hmm. weird moment in time as well because everyone was transitioning into their new thing um Mm. like we we all lived in Surrey when we were at university obviously and then everyone kind of moved away um well obviously I stayed in Surrey to do my LPC but like it was just a strange time for everyone and I think I didn't Mm. really notice that you had like disappeared and then all of a sudden you just had like you'd gone so Mm -hmm. do you want to just talk to listeners a little bit about how you 
I mean, do you want to name him? Like, do you want to call him something different? Like, how do you want to do this? Yeah, we don't we don't have to name him. Um, think of a really just like evil name, and we'll call him something like that, like Voldemort. <laughs> should we go? Should we go with Voldemort? That's what he's colloquially called amongst my my closest friends. So we'll go with that. But um, we met. So actually, it was my first legal job. So yeah, we graduated. I think it was about July 2018. Yeah. Um, and then I went traveling because classic mm-hmm. um, for about three months. You know, the whole Southeast Asia backpacker. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and then I came back and got my first legal job in Bristol. Um, and that is where I met um, Voldemort. Uh, we got on really, really well um, to start with. It was actually really bizarre because... Um, so so on the fir- very first day, um, I didn't really know anyone. And I think I was one of the last ones to start there out of the newbies. Um, and I sort of sat down at my desk uh, just prior to an introduction and I sort of like looked up at him right across. There's about three desks in front of us. He didn't look back at me and then he did look back at me and I saw his eyes for the first time and I had chills all up my spine Mm. and I could not explain it. But, you know, it's almost like it was my body's way of of saying this is just not natural Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But of course I ignored it. Um, and then we did the big intro and he came across, he's like had the cutest, most warmest dimples on his face. And as you know, Nads, I've always been attracted to dimples. Yeah. I just find them really <laughs> adorable. Um, and he was just like the nicest guy. Like he was just instantly wanting to get to know me. And I'm fairly, I'm a fairly confident girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was like, just, it just, just normally just meeting and clicked so, so quick. But you started um, as friends, didn't you? Like you didn't get into a yeah, relationship like for a while. Yeah, like best friends. Mm. No, no, no. We were like, we were, like, but it was like a friendship that just sort of went so fast. Like mm-hmm. it was like within, within like a month, he was literally saying like, he'd never had a friendship like mine. And he was like, you're definitely my soulmate and stuff that you just don't really say, like in hindsight, I got so swept up in it. So at the time it felt very real, but like in hindsight, that is kind of really worrying when Mm -hmm. you've just met someone and you know, you, you, you genuinely think like, it was almost like he, he just had everything in common with me and he was so interested in all of my interests. Like I really love philosophy. Um, And he like really pretended, well now I know it's pretending, but at the time I thought he was really genuine like he really wanted to know about philosophy and he was like, oh, cool. Tell me about that theory. And uh, oh, that's so, that's so cool. And, and really like took an interest, whereas no one really took an interest in philosophy before. It's not exactly like sport. It's not something that people really care about. So it's it was not really sexy. bizarre. And <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Hannah. I think he is, but <laughs> no, but he, but he made me feel like I was so sexy. Cause yeah. I was just like, you know, um, I don't know, sexy philosopher or something. It was just like I, I, really get, I get completely what you're saying. I do get... He, well, he totally love-bombed you, didn't he? He totally yeah, love-bombed yeah, you. Yeah, 100%. No, 100%. And it's actually really great that you use that because I never knew that term at all. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to identify what was going on um, mm-hmm. at all. I just thought, wow, there's this like... There's this guy. He's super like fascinated in me and our friendship and like he would do really like above and beyond things like I was still very caught up over my previous relationship before him who Mm -hmm. I went to uni with um as Nads knows we were in a relationship for a really long time Mm -hmm. and I would like go to him about 
my my angel ex <laughs> and mm. I would cry to him and say like I you know it was so difficult because we only split up really because of distance like he was going to um train in the army and it was just really I just wasn't ready for long distance yeah. and he would comfort me over that like like no friend I'd ever had and he was so supportive and sort of helping me what to say and how to communicate and deal with my heartbreak and all of this and it was just it was just so intense like you know he would call me up all the time he'd want to come over and we would just chill on a bed do nothing we'd just chill on a bed watching um different tv shows and you know we like slept in beds together but without doing anything we were just friends like just things like that and I felt like no one had really understood me until I met him I think things like that are so much more intimate though like I think um Mm. it's Sally it's like Sally's one of Sally's parents said it actually once when one of my many exes cheated on me and um and she said um like it's not really you have to think about it it's not really cheating um if they sleep Mm. with someone else it's if they're cuddling and watching telly and doing things like that like that's real love Mm. and this situation that you were in obviously it Mm. was so intimate it gave you Mm -hmm. all those feelings of intimacy and uh, safety Mm -hmm. as well I know that's been like a huge issue for you or not not an issue but you know what I mean Mm -hmm. something you really struggled with is like having that support system um having that safety net and he became that Mm -hmm. for you didn't he absolutely yeah but then I was still kind of caught up on my original intuition which said this is not this guy isn't so I was in a bit of a state of mind, like I was in a bit of a warish state of mind because my intuition was like, this guy is, there's something off about him. Mm-hmm. But then deep down, I was like, but this is the closeness I've been yearning for. So actually I listened to my in- intuition initially and I actually started dating someone else from work for mm-hmm. like a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually in that time, I got f- far, far closer to this other guy I thought it would help me kind of see him for what he was because at first I thought oh maybe he's only interested in in me because I'm like an above average looking girl who's just come to the law firm do you know what mm-hmm. I mean where it actually the relationship we had grew a lot stronger when I was in a different relationship mm-hmm. um and it was it was just it was growing to be quite you know intense and then he um we both got a job in Switzerland Mm -hmm. which I just thought was crazy coincidence because Mm -hmm. I'm really spiritual. So I was like, oh my gosh, the universe, you know, is wanting us to be together and Mm -hmm. all of that. So we both, that's when we both moved and I broke up with the guy that I was dating in Bristol Mm -hmm. and we both moved together to Switzerland for this new job opportunity. Um, And we lived in the same hotel together and, you know, we just got even closer. Like, And that's where your relationship really started, wasn't it? Like that's when it started to become like more of a physical relationship. It was more of a relationship relationship than just a friendship. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. hundred percent. Like in, in Bristol as well, I didn't think it was particularly fair to the other guy if I started a new relationship and I didn't really think that I was going to end up in a relationship with him. Um, because we were so close and I didn't actually want to ruin our friendship because Mm -hmm. I'd never experienced, as I said, I never experienced a friendship like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, then exactly as you say, like when I went to Switzerland, um, that's when things got more physical. Um, There was a a night out actually where um, he went on a date with a different girl and I hated it. Like, Mm, and I just was like, oh my gosh, no, this is some real feelings because I feel like, I don't feel good about this at all. And I sort of told him um, probably about five cocktails in, which is never wise. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I sort of told him that, you know, I had some feelings there and he sort of said 
the, the same um but he was confused or whatever i said yeah fine no probs um and then um he sort of came back to my hotel room that evening and that was when we first kind of got together and and it moved really really fast from mm-hmm. there like mm-hmm. lightning um it was so intense he's yeah. one of the most passionate people in in and I never realized how negative passion could be mm-hmm. until that relationship. Um, but he was passionate in every way. He would do the whole holding my face, telling me I'm perfect and all of this kind of kind yeah. of thing. And then he got he got aggressive very quick. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, so at what yeah. point did it first start to turn like very negative? Because I, I know the things mm-hmm. that he obviously did to you and we'll obviously speak about that, like were horrific. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, what was that first thing that he did that kind of made you think, oh shit? It was definitely the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when it was like emotionally aggressive. Like I want to forget, this was only like maybe two, three weeks into our relationship. Um, and I spent Christmas with my friends. So for context, um, which will come up later as part of the story, like I don't really have like a traditional family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I um, spent my Christmas with a couple of my mates and um, I said happy Christmas to that that angel ex I spoke, spoke to you about um, who Voldemort would comfort me about. And I just literally just said happy Christmas to him. And I mm-hmm. sort of said that to him and he said it back and I was just happy about it. Mm-hmm. He absolutely flipped like on the phone like and he was just screaming at me saying like how do you think that that's appropriate that's your ex we're in a relationship now and I was so confused I was literally like baffled I'd never heard heard him raise his voice um that being said he was drinking so I just put it down to him being a bit and the next day he gave it the the whole like oh I'm just actually more insecure than I let on and Mm -hmm you know, I'm really, you know, sorry and all of that. So I just, I let that go because I was just like, okay, right. Maybe he just had one too many beers with the lads and thought it was just, he just got a bit insecure, but it got worse after that. Like it was, he became obsessed with my, um, my ex before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like it, it, it gets weirder the deeper the relationship got, but it was like an, an unnatural obsession. He brought his name up more than I did mm-hmm. by about 10 times. Mm-hmm. it was it became like every day it was like it was like a routine for him brush your teeth i'll ask her about about her ex mm-hmm. you know it was it was honestly horrendous but he um, wanted but to know like him. the finite details didn't he he wanted to know every single detail about yeah. your past relationship yeah. down to every single one. comparisons between the two of them in bed wasn't it like it was just like yeah everything yep. just as, as yep. deep and personal as he could possibly get like every single intricate yep. part of your past relationship mm-hmm. and like you said like your ex was in a totally different country. Like mm-hmm. he was in, mm-hmm. like you said, training in the Finnish army. It was, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't a threat at all. No. Um, which is funny seeing as you're back yeah, with I it. Know, I, know. <laughs> 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 I mean, maybe he did have something to worry about, but I mean, he did, he still brought it on himself. Um, but you know, uh, I, I think, I think it got progressively worse at first. It was kind of like, curious it really worried me about a month in where he was basically convincing me he he was so manipulative I don't I don't I can't even relay to you his techniques for manipulation because they were so clever like I'm I'm rubbish at it so it won't sound as manipulative if I try and explain it but eventually he managed to get me to send this long message to my my angel ex um basically that he'd written 
about yeah. why we should not speak anymore, mm-hmm. which was completely manufactured. Um, and it absolutely broke my heart. And, and he, he watched me send it and, and made me send it. Um, do you think at the time you thought it was the right horrible. thing to do? Like at the time, yeah. did you feel like, oh, I, do, I think it yeah. is right for my relationship to send mm-hmm. this text message? Yeah, because he framed it in such a clever way to be like, oh, all boyfriends get jealous. Why are you making me feel bad because I care about you? This guy broke your heart. I'm just being protective over you. Um, And he would say such vindictive things. So Mm -hmm. like my angel ex, he's just a man of privacy. Hence why I'm not really saying his name. Mm -hmm. He never liked to post photos of us on social media and stuff. And now I'm like an actual mature adult. I understand that. But my my evil ex would like use that. And he would be like... um, Oh, you know, he'd try and get in my head. He'd be like, oh, you know, do you, I think he was cheating on you, to be honest. Like, I think that's why he didn't want to <laughs> post pictures. Oh, my um, God, if he yeah. only knew him. Yeah, I know, if, right? Honestly, I know. if he only knew yeah, him. Like, he was I so, know. so private. Like, I know. I remember I even, know. even, like, me, like, speaking to him. Like, I remember speaking to him and just being like, God, he's just so different to you. But, like, like mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I didn't appreciate how brilliant that is until, obviously, like, yeah. I met Matt. And then I was like... Everyone yeah. told me me and Matt wouldn't work out because we're like polar opposites, but that's exactly what yeah. you and him are like. Like, absolutely. Yeah. There is not a chance Definitely. in hell that he was even thinking or looking at <laughs> <know>. other girls. <laughs> I know, but he he made it so convincing. It's yeah. like he painted a whole story, and I actually believed it to the point that I had it in my head completely. Yeah, that, that was must have been what had happened. Of course. And you know, he would he would twist it, and he'd be like, "See, I just don't know why a man would like not want to show you off because you're like absolutely mm. perfect." And it, you know, to someone who's from a very unstable family who didn't really have as much attention growing up from stable pet he knew what he was doing because in the friendship stage he found out all of that about me really early and he kind of got me to open up by opening up himself Mm -hmm. um about his exes which i'm actually friends with one of his exes now and it turns out everything he said was complete bs which adds to the kind of level of manipulation but i bought it like like you know Mm -hmm. um as you do because you just think why would this person why would they have any reason to sort of be dishonest especially if they work in law like the whole industry tells you over and over again have integrity have integrity be honest (laughs) um so I just thought yeah okay that maybe it's just and and for a long time I I just kind of ignored the red flags because I wanted him to be my best friend I wanted the same guy who I really really cared about yeah exactly um and I was constantly living in this confusion of not knowing who who he was and was just hoping and praying that he would come back to the person who was my best friend Mm -hmm. so your relationship obviously very very intense in the beginning he started showing signs of emotional abuse which of Mm -hmm. course at the time you you wouldn't see like you just don't see when you're in an emotionally abusive relationship you have no idea until a long time afterwards um so when did it start to get like more physical like when did that escalation happen and did the escalation happen quickly was it like did it go from grabbing you a little bit too hard or was mm-hmm. it straight into sort of hitting you and, and sexually assaulting you um so the sexual assault didn't come to right at the end that mm-hmm. was kind of like the point in which I was like I need to get out of whatever this is because it was just it was just the worst incident of my life and mm-hmm. and as you know like that is a really high bar yeah um and it was just horrific mm-hmm. um and but to start I think the 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 aggression he used to start with was a shock because it was quite intense but mm-hmm. again he was drinking at the time which was I would say 99% of the abuse happened when sober which makes it right. including including the rape. Um, so which makes it rare. But the first time he ever hurt me, he was 
under the influence of alcohol. Right. So what had happened was we'd all rented as a group of, of colleagues at work. So I got on quite well at the start with my colleagues and we all did. Um, and we rented a little chalet. This was about a month or two into work um, in Switzerland, as you do, because you're there and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went as a big group of 10 of us and he invited two of his um, rugby lads. Um, to anyone listening to this, please do never date a private school rugby man. Like that is all <laughs> I have to say. Like, please, I didn't know, I didn't even know that that was a whole stereotype. But mm. honestly, there is a lot of repressed stuff that's just nasty. Mm. Um, and he invited two of them. And I invited two of my mates who I met in Finland. Um, and we sort of were all having a great time and there's the colleagues plus our home friends and i think it was i think it was for his birthday as well um and we all had a great time and it was so funny like it was actually one of the funniest times and then his honestly his mates were just absolute jerks like they were just classic rugby like like oh get your get your tits out and i was just (laughs) like oh my god but at one point um one of them goes um and it's so disgusting and I hate even saying this out loud but it's what he said he was just like oh Lucy your pussy's hanging out because I was in a bikini because we were all wearing bikinis and it and it literally wasn't like at all and like I didn't even like I I literally just checked I was like oh yeah you're funny Mm -hmm. um and like it was just obvious that like he was just I don't know why they have this weird sense of humor but yeah it was honestly weird I mean they the rugby initiation speak for themselves to be honest they do disgusting things um and then he my evil ex he laughed along with it and was like oh yeah you're funny like to my to 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 his mate like acting like boys and then he just said oh can i speak to you like all cutesy and i was just like yeah and then he like winked at the boys as if to like insinuate to them that we were about to go and have sex yeah we get into the other room closes the door and oh my god his eyes just went black like i felt sick at his very presence and he just had this stern face and he had his hand like to the wall mm-hmm. um we both had a glass of red wine in our hands and he just goes and his whole face scrunched up um with his like black eyes stared at me and he goes he's, he goes is it true is it true what he just said and i was like absolutely not are mm. you joking and he mm. goes no well you you effing would as well you fucking slut and i said mm. and i looked at him and i said you do not speak to me like that quite frankly i'm 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 literally gonna end this right now because i'm not being spoken to to like that i went to leave and he literally like pulled me around um pinned me up against the wall by my throat and then pinned me down to the bed Mm -hmm. um and i was like struggling and struggling and there was wine red wine all up the walls Mm -hmm. because obviously we had wine in our hands i could not breathe i literally was i was just so confused and like my memory of that is in fractures because i still to this day can't piece all the pieces together because it was so horrific Mm. um i drank a lot less than him as well i wouldn't go to the point and say i was sober but i was definitely not drunk Mm -hmm. um and then i sort of yelped out and at one point one of his mates comes in and i and he and and he comes in he's like mate what are you doing um Mm. and he was just sent he literally snapped instantly and made it out like we were just having some sort of like kinky situation i'm literally crying and it was so messed up and his mate just looked at him and just like he just didn't want to deal with it so just left just left you there yeah left me there and then he carried on again and this this time i literally i literally thought nads that that was it Mm -hmm. i literally remember i can remember looking up at the ceiling and just thinking this is how i'm gonna go this is that yeah. And I didn't understand what was wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And then he he went up and he was just calling me a slut again. He could kind of see because I was going like completely white and I've mm. got really rosy cheeks. Mm. So when my face goes white, it is going really white. And and then I saw, I remember getting up and going, <gasps> and he, and then he sort of was then going like shamefully, like just saying things. I can't remember what he was saying. He always did this psychotic thing after hurting me where he would be like fucking just, and he would just talk under his breath like yeah. an actual nutter. Mm. Um, and then I screamed out again for one of his mates. I called his mate's name. And then his mate um, came back and I just literally got up and pelted under his arm, locked myself in the bathroom, mm. ran a bath. And I remember just staring. In, I just stayed in the bathtub, just staring at the wall, like not. And he started screaming about me, um, saying, oh, she's she's an effing self-harmer. Don't listen to a word that fucking nutter says. She's from fucking foster care. Like, honestly. And I just never felt, and I, it was, it was the abuse and it was humiliation on yeah. top of that because of what he was saying um, about me. Um, and I just could, I, I, I wanted to die. Like I would actually would have preferred to have died. I remember feeling like that. Yeah. Um, and when he got calmed down by his two mates, um, eventually I got up and left and went to my colleague's room and I told them, what had happened I was trembling like I was literally shaking it was Mm. the most horrific thing um and they got really emotional because they couldn't believe it and then I I fell asleep cuddled up with them because that's the only place I felt safe that night next day they go out on the slopes everyone's uncomfortable with me when they come back and he tells them that I made it all up and they believed him outrageous they believed him absolutely outrageous yeah. Was, presumably you had marks and stuff though. Not that that not that you needed that to prove it. Yeah. But that is just outrageous. Shows the well, presence that he had though yeah. in that group. Absolutely. And and it was just it was so toxic. Um and I went back and he and I and I'd already sent an email to work to give my notice because it's another thing. I was I was locked in by a month's notice at that firm. I couldn't just up and leave. Yeah. Um and then he knocked on the door when he came back because I left the ski resort um, or wherever we were, the chalet and everything early because I was like, I just had to process what went on. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't. I felt, it was honestly grim. That's where I took some photos of the bruises, which, I'm, which yeah. I, I've shown you, I think. Yeah, um, them, yeah. It was like completely nasty. Um, and then a couple of days he comes into my hotel and he like demands to see me and he just would not go away. Um, so I let him in and I was just like, what have you got to say for yourself? Like these are going to be your last words to me realistically, because I am literally, I've already dra- I've already sent an email. Like I'm, I'm out of here, but mm-hmm. at least let me hear an apology from you because you've just traumatized me for life. He starts breaking down, crying, saying that he's suicidal. Um, and he literally turned the whole thing on him saying, yeah, I fucking get it. I'm a monster. I'm a monster. I get it. Fine. I'll just kill myself then. And then he like gets up and goes to jump out of the whatever story hotel. I had mm. to literally pull him mm. whilst crying, like out of the, I thought he was actually going to kill himself. So he threatened suicide. Um, and I'm like half his size and trying to like pull him to the bed so he'd calm down. And he literally wouldn't get out of the window until I said, fine, I'll stay with you. I'll stay here. I'll stay here. And then that was it. Then he just stopped and he just started crying and being like, I just love you so much. And I, I hate that this has happened. And, and I just see you as so perfect. And I've really messed up and I don't want to lose you like instantly. And it was mm. just that snap. Um, but that fucks with your head so much. That yeah. really, really yeah, gets inside yeah. your head. And so how yeah, did, yeah. this was obviously like the first kind of like physical 
um, mm-hmm. abuse that he mm-hmm. he did to you. How mm-hmm. far into your relationship do you think this was? Like, in term- it was probably only a few months, wasn't it? Uh, three months, less than, less than three months. Yeah, two and a half months. It's just absolutely mm-hmm. crazy, like how. But obviously, yeah. because of all the like the love bombing and how intense your relationship was, the fact that it wasn't yeah. a normal relationship, and the fact that you would see each other like on a Saturday or something like that, like you were living with each other, you were in this like foreign yeah. country together, you were working mm-hmm. together, like there was no respite, there was no break, no. was there for no. you? You were no, just literally. constantly with each other, twenty four seven, yeah. And that um, makes everything a lot more intense and that that makes a three-month relationship feel like a, a year-long relationship because mm-hmm, you've done all mm-hmm. of the bonding and all of the talking and all of the everything else in such a short space yeah. of time. So exactly that. let's not go through every little piece of abuse because I know there's been so much like, and it's just yeah, horrific yeah. and I don't want to put you through that. But what I'm quite mm-hmm. interested in is the first time really, um, and tell me, because I can't remember which order this was in, but I know that... At some point you came back to the UK, didn't you? And you had, and you were with his mm-hmm. parents, with his family. But yeah, there was also a yeah. time when the police were called, wasn't there, by an out, yeah. by a, so I don't know which one happened first, but whichever one happened first. Speak yeah, about so, first. yeah, eventually I, I put up with what happened um, at that, at that job in the Switzerland until about April. So that would have been about, I put up with it only for about three, four months. Um, and then I got my, my job that I, I work at now, which I absolutely adore. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, and that's in London. So I had an excuse to go back. Um, and, and also bearing in mind in this time, this guy had had conveniently when I'd chosen to leave, got me pregnant. Mm. Um, so this was all really murky as well. And of, of course I chose not to have a child with that creature, which I'm still really proud that didn't happen today because I mm-hmm. think I would still be with him, which honestly makes me feel sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I went, he, but he somehow managed to convince, I was very vulnerable around that time. I felt like a murderer after the abortion. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, and I was just absolutely broken, um, so confused about everything. And you had um, no support and from he, him. No, no. Oh, no, no. He literally told me that if I didn't stop being depressed and making his image look bad at work, then he would tell my boss that I had an abortion. It's fucking outrageous. It's yeah, so much control, like the that. control that he yeah. mm-hmm. well, had over you, really, because he did have yeah. the control over you, didn't he? He was like manipulating all of that. He wasn't trying to support yeah. you at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just outrageous. Yeah. And then, so then he convinced me somehow, because I, I didn't have... Um, much money at that time because I, I was still yet to start this new job. Um, I saved up a fair amount from working in the Switzerland job, um, but I didn't I didn't tell him that because I wasn't allow no. going to allow him to take it because homelessness is a real threat for me. I don't have like a family Parent system in a way to, that yeah. yeah exactly exactly. Um, so he somehow convinced me that the most perfect situation for me would be if I lived with his dad who is a lovely, lovely soul. Um, And I got on well with him from the times that I'd met him when I went back to see them, uh, when we flew back together. Um, And he would just come and see us at weekends. And I thought, oh, actually, if I just have to spend five days with his dad and two days with him, Mm -hmm. that's actually a perfect scenario Mm because I only have to put up with his absolute shit for two days. And his dad actually protected me in a lot of the assaults um, he got in in between. so I was like, okay, in the interests of myself and money, that sounded like a good idea, just until at least I established myself more full time. Mm-hmm. And also I adored his sister who he, who he lived with. And she was like, 
she was like my ally and best friend. Like she was honestly such a wonderful soul. So it was okay. Um, so I think a lot of people will listen to like what you're saying and mm-hmm. they'll they'll want to know mm-hmm. if that's how you felt that you didn't want to see him, you only want to see him on the weekends or do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or are you kind of saying, oh, I'd be, I'd be able to only see him on the weekends. I think a lot of yeah. people, and I think a lot of people do when we cover cases like this in our podcast and stuff, they wonder mm-hmm. like, why did you not leave? And I know that is a question that a lot yeah. of people ask mm-hmm. you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that's like almost like the first the first thing people ask and there isn't an easy way to answer it but what I see now is I was addicted to him mm-hmm. in a really horrible way because he was both the loveliest man in the world when he wanted to be shower me with gifts buy me a trip to Egypt um, call me his precious angel and 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 take me on these extravagant dates I'd never been on before and you know take me to his friends and go to his friend and be like look at her isn't she just absolutely perfect like in front of all his mates like he was doing all of that at the same time as bruising me and strangling me and telling me that I am a council estate slut and um, no one's ever loved me since birth hence why I was put in foster care Mm -hmm. it was it was the pure you just it was, it was, it was just Jekyll and Hyde. Like you, you just didn't know which you were going to get, but you were so in love with the version that did all those amazing things and made you feel so valued because they made you believe that that deep down is who they are mm-hmm. and who they are when they hurt you is just someone that they become because of, they don't know how to control their anger. And, um, the, and the thing is, is, is when you're in that situation, it's, intoxicating isn't it like you yeah yeah you, you remind yourself when the bad things mm-hmm. are happening you remind yourself mm-hmm. this is what it's like you have to remember this feeling you have to remember how you feel yeah. right now when you're crying your eyes out hysterically you say to yourself like remember how this feels and then you yeah. forget as soon as they're nice yeah. like you forget again because you convince exactly. yourself that because at one point it started it will stop like there will be a point yeah. when he will mm-hmm. stop saying those things to you. He will stop doing those things yep. to you. And it's really hard. Absolutely. And I think I think it's really important to note because whenever we talk about, you know, these, you know, the case that we covered on um, Alyssa Frank um, in our podcast, you, you obviously, like, all, we, all we did really was talk about the abuse, but it was never like that for her. Like yeah. there would have been days mm-hmm. and days and weeks of like really yeah. nice behavior yeah. and, and love mm-hmm. and, and cherishment and all the things that you could mm-hmm. possibly want. And that's probably exactly, well, I know it's exactly what you did yeah. feel. Yeah, definitely. They, they call it a trauma bond. It's, it's really yeah. fascinating um, and really heartbreaking at the same time because it takes a lot of, it, so much manipulation and calculation of every act they do is so wired. So, you know, he would make the best times in our relationships for exactly like three weeks um, until he knew that I wasn't going to leave again. And then mm-hmm. that's it. It was, it was, it was just like a, a, an endless cycle and that, and he would promise me that he would go to therapy, which he actually followed through on once, which his dad paid for. And he lied to me about the whole thing and what he spoke to his therapist about and all this sort of stuff. Um, And I was kind of under the illusion because he kept telling me he was going to change for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt even more special that Mm -hmm. he was going to do that in that mindset of complete, intoxication and exhaustion they wear you down I gained Mm. so much weight I could not wake up in the morning 
I was so drained. It was like I'd had energy completely sucked out of me. I was just, I was, I didn't, I was a shell of, of, of who Lucy, I, I was a shell. It was like, if you'd have, if you'd have seen me in that time, Naz, I don't think you would have recognized me. Yeah. It was, it was like I was completely dead mm-hmm. and I felt it. Mm-hmm. I felt dead. And he, he brought me down to such a point where I believed what he was saying about me. I believed I was a council estate slut. I believed that no one had ever loved me since birth. And that's why I went into foster care. I believed my, the one person, my angel ex who just loved me for the exact person I was, yeah. that he was cheating on me. I believed that none of my friends could really like me. Like he told me, mm-hmm. you know, I believed everything he said because my self-esteem was so low because he chipped away at it. And he was the only person to bring you back up. Yes. Absolutely. And he would plant things in my head that my friends had said about me that he'd protected me from. Yeah. Um, and just really crazy stuff. It, it makes you insane. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing people don't understand. They think that, you know, you are insane, but you are being made to be insane. And that's how dangerous it is. Someone literally can, can alter the course of your sanity via their manipulation. And mm. I think that's something that people don't understand. Like it's so calculated in every tiny little detail, they know exactly what to say and what to do in different areas. Like when the police came, so that was a couple of months after, mm-hmm. um, I sort of stayed with his family a bit. And, and all this time I would tell myself, I would tell myself I would leave. I would tell myself I was brave enough, but I just didn't have the energy and the, I was exhausted. Like I was so exhausted. Um, and when the, the police, when the police came, it was like a saving grace for me um, mm-hmm. because he, was he just wore me completely down i remember one point where um he took me all the way to get my my wisdom teeth out all the way to bristol we drove all the way there and all of that and he was so lovely to me like bought me soups he was like oh look at your cute little cheeks aren't you so cute that evening at 2 a.m i could not speak because my face was out here i had all four wisdom teeth out he woke me up at 3 a.m which is another tactic they deprive you of sleep especially if you've got important deadlines the next day Mm -hmm. um or you're trying to get on with your career because they hate that you're a career person woke me up at 3 a.m he's like um baby i've just been thinking and i'd be like well can you think like seven in the morning like not three and he would and he would be like you know i could barely speak so i was dribbling everywhere because it was just grim that i had this surgery and he was just like I saw you kiss a girl um at that party i'm just wondering if if you're bisexual and i have to worry about women as well and I just laughed with all the laughter I could laugh with, which was a bad, and he just, he absolutely flipped. He woke his dad up, started screaming at his dad, telling his dad that I'd kissed another girl. Jesus Christ. And his dad is like Coptic Egyptian, very yeah. traditional yeah. man. Very religious, and, yeah. Yeah, and his dad, bless him, was just like holding my hand and telling him he was, he was like, this is madness, would you, would you stop? And it was just so cute. And, and I was just like in tears. I could not move my mouth. It was like dribble oh everywhere. God, and he yeah. was just screaming at me. So I couldn't defend myself. It was honestly the most helpless circumstances I have ever felt in my life. And he was just saying to him, he was like, this is what she does, dad. She gets inside your head and manipulates you. That's how she got with her last ex. And it was just so messed up. Mm-hmm. And, and he, it, it, I was just, I could, I, he, it's almost like he got this weird thrill off the fact I could not defend myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, exactly. It came from the good day before where he was, you know, showering me with love and taking yeah. me to my, you know, all of that. Um, but yeah, anyway, so, um, he, 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 that day I'd actually packed my bags the day the police came and he was, he was with his mates and my plan, I'd arranged it with one of my mates who I opened up to about 
not everything because it's disturbing and I was very secretive about it all but I opened up to her about some things and I said can I stay with you for a few days until I can find a new place she said yeah so the whole thing was organized I packed all my things it was like a nightmare Nads because he came back to get something it's like this would only happen a to me and b in films yeah and he came back to get something and he saw oh god I I literally I just had this like feeling of feeling sick in my stomach like it was just like it it was like he came in and he saw the he saw the suitcases and it was just that black eyes again looked at me and he goes what are you fucking doing what are you fucking doing Mm. and I was just like I I'm not doing this anymore I'm gonna be completely honest with you I I cannot I you are gonna kill me and I'm not prepared to die like this I remember saying that Mm -hmm. and he just flipped he rugby tackled me he I was I was screaming he was shouting the mug left the window completely wide open and someone, God bless their soul, I don't know who they are, but if I ever found out who they were, I would give them the biggest hug ever. Someone called the police. Mm. And then all of a sudden I heard knocking. Um, he, he went like this with my mouth, covered my mouth, and he was mm-hmm. just like, don't you fucking say anything, don't you fucking say anything. Shut the fuck up. Like, really evil. He'd do this weird thing with his nose where it just, it was just honestly the most disgusting evil facial expression you could mm. possibly imagine mm-hmm. um and then the then the police had to knock he wouldn't he wouldn't answer the door so the police had to like knock come up they saw because he'd thrown all my suitcases up on themselves by the way and through my laptop which has my assistive technology so i have learning disabilities across the wall so it was all smashed up mm-hmm. All my clothes, everything was on the floor. He got me out of my clothes because he was just like, oh, if, if you can want to fucking leave, you can do it without your clothes then. Um, it was honestly horrific. And then they come up. I'm like trembling, crying my eyes out. They take him away. They restrain him and take him away. Um, and then they ask me for all these questions. And I, at the t- I, I honestly did not know how to answer them. I was just like, can, I just, can you just help me get my things I need to leave? And then they got me helped me get my my uber to go to my friend's house um and i honestly thought and prayed that that would be the last i ever saw of him mm-hmm. um but he begged and begged after that he actually proposed to me the day after because he knew he knew that i would i would press charges do the police and he not was do so anything afraid that by incident? that the police didn't do anything no they can't do anything if you choose not to if you choose not to press charges the police can't it can count against them but um later on but they can't, it, this is another thing about domestic violence. It's like, sadly, time and time again, the woman drops, because of the manipulation, the woman tries out of desperation to get help from the police and then she drops out again because of the gaslighting and because of the trauma bond. It, you, they, they truly make you feel like you cannot live without them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as the breakup, got, that, that was a really horrific breakup. It was like I was coming off heroin yeah i don't know what that's we... like to compare to but <laughs> yeah just, just yeah, side disclaimer note, yeah lucy's not a <laughs> no i've never done heroin but yeah. i i compare it to that um i was like scratching at my arms um i i became fully it was really like to watch for my friends to watch at one point when i was just like completely it was just it was it's, it's absolutely crazy what it can do to you it's it's absolutely crazy like my friend had to sit me down and be like do you not know who you are and you are saying you need to get back with this person who brought you to nothing like snap out of it and i just couldn't i just couldn't snap out of it i know, you know? but i think Until the I, thing is, yeah. is like 
breakups in themselves are so horrible whether you're in an amazing Mm -hmm. relationship or whether you're in the worst relationship ever whether they've cheated on you or whatever they've done to you like they are horrible in themselves and Mm -hmm. I think everyone can everyone who's gone through a breakup can relate to that feeling of just like yeah well no like I'm sat here I'm totally heartbroken I'm I feel disgusting I feel horrible and you know what Mm -hmm. no amount of abuse or anything that I suffered at the hands of him was ever as bad as I feel right now and that is how you feel yeah and yeah. it's just awful. Like mm-hmm. it is just absolutely, absolutely. horrific. Mm-hmm. And 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 it is. It's also part because I know obviously he was incredibly physically abusive towards you, but yeah. the emotional abuse that fucks you up mm-hmm. for years. Yeah. Like yeah. for absolute 100%. years. Like it absolutely mm-hmm. can destroy you as a person. It like really, really, yeah. really can. So I can yeah. completely understand you feeling that way and likening it to it being like coming off a drug because it is an addiction yeah. it is it is that kind yeah. of because because you were bonded like you said because you had that trauma yeah. bond mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and it just it just i i got to the point where i felt like the life with him which was like consistent terrorism all the time was better than having to face what he'd done to me by myself yeah and i know that I felt that way. And I knew that doing that was gonna be the hardest thing because it was so much easier to cope with the things he did to me when I was still with him. Because there was someone else there who understood. There was someone else there who knew. Exactly, exact, exactly that, Nads, exactly. And, and I think that that's another thing people don't understand is, you know, if you, when you leave and you really sever the tie and you go no, no contact, that is a lot of trauma to have to process all at once. And that was actually when I was most suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to live anymore, Carrie, what I know. I, I, I just didn't want to live knowing that I'd basically been someone's ragdoll mm-hmm. for eight months who he didn't even have such, you know, to, to appreciate my consent. Like he didn't. He didn't care about me at all. And to process that and to know that he'd used my body like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And he called me a cum dump. Jesus Christ. That's what I believed I was. Um, and especially after the rape, that really did it for me. And I couldn't I couldn't cope or live with the fact that someone had done that to me sober, knowing what he was doing. Um, and... Yeah didn't care because it was all about him um and when I had to face that the first person I ever told was my angel ex and he it was the first time he's you know Ned he's not an emotional man is he really let's be honest um bless his little soul and he I just he just looked at me goes Jesus Christ Luce yeah and he looked so emotional and Mm -hmm. that's when I really I broke I, I just completely broke and I and I knew that it was kind of like something needed to I needed to see a therapist or and do something about what he'd done to me or that was it I wasn't gonna live anymore and how did he um, handle like the breakup like did he try to get you back like mm-hmm. I know obviously the incident we just spoke about where you packed your bags and stuff that wasn't the time that you did leave like you did stay for him longer no. and obviously then he no. he was even worse to you was even more horrific yeah. he obviously raped you he violated you in mm-hmm. the worst way possible even more yeah. so than he had already done so many times mm-hmm. and i know after that you obviously you did leave and that's so amazing and so yeah. strong of you and it, it wasn't like Thank you've you. said it wasn't the first time you tried to leave 
and Mm -hmm. you did go back to him this time amazing that you managed to do it how did he react was he trying to get you back or did he kind of say like did he understand that 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 was it um he to start with yeah he would he would try and he would try and get me back like he was really beggy um after the rape that was two weeks after the police incident and he was actually on a vacation scheme at the time which Mm -hmm. is just really puts the nail in the coffin Mm -hmm. um after that he threatened to kill himself again so he knew immediately he knew exactly what he'd done because he threatened to kill himself um and as soon as it happened like sorry to interrupt you but like literally the second he the second he like finished and he pulled out the first thing he did, he goes, that was not rape. That was not rape. That was not fucking rape. I, Cause I was crying my eyes out the whole time. And I, I could not just even, yeah. I couldn't imagine what I did. First thing he did, he goes to the drawer, gets some scissors, puts them up to his throat. And he said, if you don't tell me right now, that wasn't rape. I'm going to fucking put these into my throat. So I had to say to him. That is so and, fucking intense. Yeah. But he, and he knew after that. So he got really beggy again. And he, he got beggy for a while. The first couple of times I broke up with him. And then after that, it was, I think at one point I sensed that he had got a new girlfriend or he had been sleeping around or something, which is just even worse because it's like you are not only their little cum dump, but you're a fucking, you're fucking recyclable. Oh, Luke. He just, he just did everything. I know that now. I'm fucking oh, babe, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. You know You I know are that. a fucking queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know I know that. But at the time, I felt like nothing and recyclable nothing. I felt just so used. I'd never been so used in my... Chewed up and spit out. It affirmed everything I... that he'd always said to you. That yeah, you were absolutely. nothing. That you were replaceable. Yeah. Yeah, that you were nothing exactly. without him. Yeah. Or none of those yeah. things. Are, I don't think any of those things, none of those things are true. But that is just, that's the no, situation, exactly. wasn't it? Yeah. No, exactly. And then the last time I tried to get in contact with him, um, at the peril of my friends, uh, at this point, I turned to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've just gone full, full. If I was like, if I'm, if I can't face this shit. I'm just going to go off the rails. Like, And that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I messaged him one night you know, and um, basically begging him back because I was just, I couldn't, I just couldn't live knowing what I knew and and living, it just was, it was just horrendous. It was mm-hmm. just absolutely horrendous. And he would like clockwork, read every single message I sent him and not reply to a single one of them. He wouldn't block me. Yeah. He wouldn't block me. And every single time I sent him and I felt connected to him just by virtue of the fact he was reading my messages like that. Every single time I sent one, immediately he'd be reading it and reading it and reading it. Oh, it fucks with your head so much. That fucks with your head. Yep. Yep, exactly. I went absolutely clinically insane at that point. I just lost it. I went complete. Honestly, I complete alcohol problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I even went so far as like telling him I would book a flight and go and see. I was ready to go back. And my friends had to stage an intervention. And I have to say that is the wisest decision. I am so grateful. My friends are my family. My friends are my absolute rock. Mm -hmm. And and I I needed that intervention. They Mm -hmm. were like, we're not prepared for him to take you and your life away from us. Like, just think about that and what you mean to us. Can you just please just think about that? And because it was someone else on the line rather than just myself, that was when I started to think, 
I need to I need to get help. Um and yeah. then seeing my my angel ex as well still really love me. Um, even if not in a romantic setting, obviously we hadn't seen each other in a year. Like he just the way he held me was like I I was so worthy of love. He he really loved the person I was and everything that this dickhead had said about me was just wrong. And, you know, he came back, bless his soul, um, in November. That's why I said it was about November that I really realized I needed to actually sever it. And it was because he came back. Um, I think he could sense something was really wrong with me. And I was I was sending him weird stuff. Like I was I was ready to top myself. Mm-hmm. It was like not not good. And I was sending him, you know, like messages like telling him no matter what you know I'll always love him and just really really I was not well Mm um and um yeah he came back and saw me and he just sort of just him holding me really and telling me all these great things about me and I just thought it's all bullshit everything he says bullshit this incredible human being loves me just the way I am so I need to wake the fuck up but that's what they do. Like the way that they, the yeah. way that they break you down, they isolate you from yeah. everyone. That is why mm-hmm. isolation is such an important tactic for them. Because yes. the fact that yeah. as soon as you felt yeah. like the love and the protection of your friends, then obviously yeah. from from him when he came back and he visited you, mm-hmm. it's it's so it's such an important tactic that they use because it yeah. is so powerful. Because you mm-hmm. felt so isolated, mm-hmm. the only views that you had were his, yeah. and the mm-hmm. only views and thoughts that you had about yourself were his and until Mm -hmm. you began to feel everyone else because even to the point where you were off all social media like Mm -hmm. so what you didn't obviously say was that when he accused you of kissing a girl and being bisexual Mm -hmm. which which obviously like you don't have those sexual orientations but he made you Mm -hmm. block then all of your girlfriends as well as in friends who were girls so you had no one to speak to like you had no contact with anyone from the outside all you had was him and that is just mm-hmm. such so dangerous, but that's why yeah. it's such a powerful tactic that, that abusers use. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like you just said, it wasn't until you started speaking to people who knew you, people who did yeah. love you, to show you that you were loved and things like that, that you do mm-hmm. you realised everything that he said was a lie and he'd completely brainwashed you. Because that's what it is, is yeah. brainwashing. 100%. I literally couldn't say it better myself. Like it was, coming out of it is the weirdest thing because you realise how brainwashed you've been mm-hmm. and it is like terrifying when when the glass shatters it is like what the The fuck fuck? it was so heavy Mm um it was honestly like like you just woken up from a horror film yeah like it was just it was just completely that it was it was like i cannot believe i've just lived that and one of the first things i did was like write it down and actually it's so weird with me i i so I write spoken words and things like that. And that is the only way I can connect to how I felt back then because I was writing and that was the only thing that I could do that to protect who I was. Um, And the only way I can sense myself as the person in that relationship is when I look over my spoken words, which are harrowing Mm -hmm. um, and absolutely heartbreaking. But other than that tiny little refuge that I had, um, away from him he was just my entire world and I thought that it just revolved around him because he made me think that and he made me think that I w- he was the best I could ever get which mm-hmm. now I know is just completely false first when I showed a photo of him to my to my angel ex he goes oh Lucy looks like a cunt <laughs> and I was just, I was, 
<laughs> and honestly like it just it just brought me back to reality and he goes you could just do so much better yeah. and I was just like actually such a good point yeah. but that's the thing they're so manipulative they can even be like not on your level and twist you into thinking that you you need them and mm-hmm. that all you can get is them like mm-hmm. it is just so warped and as you say with the isolation you know anyone you've ever breathed around you have to block you have to block pictures of you in bikinis you know you need to delete all that you have to he plants seeds in your head about things about your friends if they really like you or not and, and plant seeds about your own personality you're just it's just so malevolent really mm-hmm. it's just disgusting psychopathic and you it's crazy because they literally give you PTSD and then you have to live with that for the rest of your life whilst they do not give a shit. It's so weird, isn't it? But I think you don't realize until, until you're in that next stage of your life where you've like moved on and stuff, you don't realize how fucked up you are from like all the emotional trauma they put you through. I remember so many times Mm -hmm. apologizing. I'd like laugh and like obviously everyone on this, everyone on this podcast knows that my laugh is like fucking ridiculously loud. We love your your laugh. (laughs) I would like laugh and then I'd like turn to Matt and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm really sorry. He'd be like, yeah. He'd be like, why are you apologizing for laughing? And I'm like, fuck why the fuck am i apologizing fuck you i'm fucking laughing when i want to laugh you bastard (laughs) it's exactly that it's exactly that and then it takes you know someone who really does love you for you to realize again it's more layers of how effed up it was before because Mm -hmm. you're like like you say about saying sorry for little things that you shouldn't be sorry for and then it you know you don't realize just how conditioned you were until you develop feelings for someone else who's just completely different it's conditioning Um, that's exactly what it fucking is it is yeah exactly exactly and it's just like it's just it's just you know when when someone even when you know when when my current partner when he the same guy this angel ex he compliments me i'm like what do you mean that Mm. and he's like he's like i'm a man of few words yes when i say something (laughs) he's like when i say something it's probably gonna be because i mean it yeah you know um, and I'm just like, I can't believe that. And I remember, you know, the, one of the first things I said to him, which is quite heartbreaking, this is when I was still really kind of not okay, is like, do you think I'm pretty? Do you think I'm a cum dump? And he's like, oh, honestly, yes. I've never heard that phrase in my life. And no, um, why would I ever think that ever? Like, he was just so disgusted. And his disgust of the situation made me realize how disgusting it was as well, because yeah. I'd normalized it. And you do. You just accept that as the normal standard. You think it's normal. They convince you that jealousy is just part and parcel of a loving relationship. Yeah. And the extremities <sighs> of that jealousy. And they convince you that, oh, he's just got a bit of an anger problem because, you know, you'd say to me, oh, my mum my died when I was really young. So that's just, you know, you do really sick things. Like when he would threaten suicide, he'd be like, I just want to be back with my mum. Yeah, well, I fucking wish you were too. <laughs> so, like, I'm sorry but at one point I just wished him I honestly wished he would die because yeah. I hate like it was so difficult to be with someone that you 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 couldn't get away from hated and then the next minute they'd take you on holiday and then yeah. tell you that you're precious and then they'd propose to you and then you know it was just absolute. it was like a whirlwind nightmare that just it felt like the longest year of my entire existence Mm -hmm. on this planet and realistically it was eight months it's just beyond me how all of that can happen in such a short space of time and my gp says that's even worse because it's rewritten my brain 
made me 10 times more hyper vigilant because all of that happened in such a short space of time. Yeah. I can't now register threats in the normal way. I register everything as a threat. If something goes bang, I'm literally, I mean, everyone gets a bit scatty, but I'm like completely, if I see someone that looks of his general physique. Yeah, I was going to say that. I remember when you had that massive panic attack because you saw someone who looked like him in the shop, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and I have that quite a lot. It's getting better as time goes on, but it does it 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 undo it undo undoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pinnacle of English. Uh, undoes things in your brain, and it just it just it will never be the same again. It's I don't feel. I mean, I'm so blessed to have the partner I do. He's amazing, yeah. but I don't feel the same about my. I was a very confident, borderline promiscuous woman. <laughs> I am not i'm so afraid of my own body i i had body dissociation after the yeah. rape i lost about two two three stone yeah. in the course of a few months mm-hmm. i was really skinny i i and the only way i can describe that i've only just started recovering from that it's getting better i'm loving my cheesecakes again just in case anyone was wondering <laughs> um but you know come in you know, that was that it was like i hated my body i i could not until my body looked completely different to the one that he used, I could not stand it. I would just, I remember just, I couldn't look in a mirror. I was so repulsed. I didn't want to feed myself. That's why I lost all the weight. Mm-hmm. I, that connectivity that you have between mind and body just completely severed. And I didn't know that that was normal when you go through rape, especially when it happens when the, the person who rapes you is sober and you're sober because there's no like deletion of yeah. drunken parts it's just you you know what what happened to you and your body actually knows better than your mind does because i wasn't prepared to i wasn't prepared to digest that for a long time but my body reacted to that in 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 the you know the sense that it just didn't want to do the things it did before it didn't want to feed me i ate about 900 calories a day probably not mm. even that yeah it was just i didn't give a shit like i didn't care i hated it like you know i wanted to change it. i got another tattoo which to be fair i do love but at yeah. the time it was to it was to look different i didn't like the way i looked at all and i didn't want to bear any resemblance to that body that just got chewed up and spit out by him it was just so much shame and that's another thing people don't know about sexual assault and rape it's like you take it on yourself you feel disgusting because you think i must be so repulsive that someone else would do that to me mm-hmm. and you you can't go another way about it there's no way you can get through that without feeling ashamed of yourself because it's it's just it's honestly the worst thing mm-hmm. someone could do to a person mm-hmm. and their sense of self and i will never look at my body the same way i did before um in a good so way in a bad way yeah, it's it is sad, and I'm lucky I have a partner I do who doesn't really give a shit about that at all. He doesn't. I haven't had I haven't had sex really since that, and my partner doesn't care. Like mm-hmm. he, he, I'm blessed. He he loves who I am, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't care about all that sort of stuff. It's it's not something that bothers him. But if he'd have been different, that could have really ruined my life. I'm having to relearn my sexuality and my body again because mm-hmm. I don't. That whole period of time where I lost connection to it, it just. I'm still trying to learn it again. I'm still trying to look in the mirror and be like, oh, that's me. It's it's really difficult and to not feel the same sort of level of confidence. I have my days mm. where I'm like, oh yeah, I feel fierce today. You know, like, you know, everyone has it, but it's, it, and it's getting so much better. I guess it's this whole thing is a process, not an event. Um, but yeah, it just, it absolutely baffles me how a, one person can do that to you. Mm-hmm. and to someone so confident and that's another myth that it happens to weak vulnerable people i know like, yeah you're like not 
not that there should be like a stereotype on who you think would be yeah. in like a physically mm-hmm. abusive relationship but you were yeah. one of the strongest people and you obviously still are but like in terms of like our friendship group at university mm-hmm. I never would have expected you to almost like take any shit from anyone and that's a naive way no. of looking at it but that is kind mm-hmm. of like the way that I think a lot of people do see it mm-hmm. as like mm-hmm. you are a really strong confident person you're fucking so intelligent you are gonna have this amazing career as a barrister you've got a fucking scholarship oh, like you. you are doing things <laughs> that other people just can't do like people in their wildest dreams can't do and yet you're yes, in this you, situation and I think that that's yeah. a massive mm-hmm. that's a, that, like you said it's a massive myth that is attached mm-hmm. to this kind of thing and I think people you know I don't think that any of our listeners would ever think this way but just in case they did Mm -hmm. like they hear things like oh you came from foster care like you didn't really have like a family growing up and all the rest of it but you Mm -hmm. got through the the hard thing I think for me as a friend to witness all of this is that Mm -hmm. you got through the worst fucking time of your life you against all odds you got into a fucking good university you got an amazing degree you got an amazing Mm -hmm. job as a in chambers Mm -hmm to become a barrister you got a scholarship like all of Mm -hmm. this you got through the hardest times of your life for this fucking asshole to come along and try and take that away from you Mm -hmm. makes me so angry (laughs) makes me so angry bless you but then once i'm out of it it's like well he failed so jokes on him do you know what i mean it's like and actually the scholarship came after him and it, it became because i was so determined to become everything i was always meant to be yeah just and in spite part of, of it's him. to spite him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he would always say, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Well, you know, I could do, I'm, I genuinely feel like I'm limitless now. You are. And I'm also hypervigilant. Like, I'm, I know that I could never go in. I, I know the signs, which mm-hmm. is helpful because I could never see that. And also I see it in others as well. And I get the same intuition. So it's helpful. It kind of gives you a sixth sense. Yeah. Um, yeah sometimes a bit too much because i just if anyone's controlling even mild, mildly i'm like they're they're abusive like, yeah which is which is sometimes a problem but you know at least being more open about it it gives people scope to open up and to um talk to me about it and i actually had a girl through my instagram who contacted me um her partner is actually um a famous musician i won't say the name of in america but mega famous mm-hmm. and she blessed her spoke to me about what happened and she said i can't leave him though and i understood and just it, to her to speak to someone and not say you should leave him yeah yeah, yeah. just to get it mm-hmm. that is so helpful that i know when you love someone the first instinct is to protect and to say you must leave but they will on their own time the main thing to do is to listen and yeah because because the less you listen and the more you say, oh, I can't believe it, the more they'll be secretive. It's not a case of then they'll wake up. They will just keep it from you. And that's also another layer to the isolation is you isolate yourself because you keep things secretive because you don't want them to know. You, yeah. you become so ashamed. You, you know, for me, I was like, oh, my friends think I'm this like badass queen from Essex. Like now they're going to think I'm, le- they're going to think less of me. They're going to think I'm weak. I don't want to be perceived as weak. And you know, there's just so many fa- factors that go into it. Um, and they make you feel bad if you speak to anyone about even the smallest details of what mm. they did. Um, and actually, you know, I did drop the seeds here and there. Um, that, But it's just, it's just so hard. And then friends can't take it on themselves either. I know that I've had some really hard conversations with some close friends who say, you know, I should have known, particularly ones who met him. Mm-hmm. Um, who say I should have known and they find it and it's so hard for them to not go into that place but ultimately 
you wouldn't have known because people who are being abused keep it so secretive. Yeah. And it's such a myth that it's some um, guy who comes home with his stellar artois and batters, batters his wife. That is, su- I mean, that happens sometimes, but it's it's actually such a myth, like that there is like a, a woman beater stereotype. Yeah. It's just a myth. Like it tends to be successful professional men who have got an upper edge against someone to control them. My ex, for the record, his dad was a re- is a really esteemed doctor in london and he went to an 18 grand a year private school and god did he use that against me um why do you think his dad didn't step in i don't think we've ever had this conversation i I think it's cultural personally i think i think it's cultural and i have to understand that because you know i don't understand all cultures and i and i'm not going to be the person to say one is right and one is wrong i i know that he knew it was wrong i know that um his morality was so well, I think obviously you don't never really know a person, um, but he was so sympathetic. He wanted to, he like, he like really cared for me. Like he cooked for me all the time and we do like, we go places together. He really was on edge when, whenever his son was getting aggressive to me and he's like old and he has a slip disc and he'd still get in front of him. And, yeah. you know, like he would really, he, he was, I know he was a good guy. I think that there is like honor based thing in his culture Mm -hmm. where it's like if he did something it would be a shame to the family yeah so i remember my ex said something really batshit once where um this was near the end of the relationship but he was just like it's a weird relationship i have with my dad because like we don't really talk and we're not really that close but if i wanted a a body buried he'd do it and i just was like that's not even funny he goes i'm joking i was like how is that even that's not even mildly funny it's like I was like, that is honestly, it gave me chills. Like, Jesus, but he just yeah. said it in such a blase way, but I can't, I don't understand the culture. I don't understand how it works. All I can, all I know is that that's probably that or they're terrified of him. He was a tyrant. He would come home at weekends, demand that his sister ironed his clothes or else, you know, I watched him throw his older sister to the ground, who's bulimic, cover her, batter her in bruises. Yeah. He were. He would honestly, I would not be surprised if they were terrified of him. Yeah. Because he was a That's tyrant. probably true. That's probably true. There's probably an element of fear. And especially as well if his dad, as you say, is a very esteemed and a very high up professional in his field. Um, mm-hmm. he probably also didn't want it to impact his work life. And also I think yeah probably he saw how bad it was but he probably didn't truly know how bad it was not that that makes a difference Mm -hmm. but I'm sure at night time he could just tell himself that well it's not that bad like yes okay my son gets a little bit angry sometimes but yeah he's not like he's gonna kill her which no realistically the escalation in your relationship how quickly it happened Mm -hmm. like I think he quite easily could have killed you well yeah I, I definitely agree um I would not put it past him because um, it was a, it was it was he knew exactly what he was doing, but on top of that, he was strong. Yeah. Um, like and he, he lost he played... control a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was like not even alcohol induced, which makes it even more dangerous because you can't just strip him of alcohol. It just happened when it happened, and it was just Jekyll. It was Jekyll and Hyde. It was it was it was that. It was just absolutely insane. Um, absolutely psycho basically um yeah. like i you know i don't I try not to but i've got like voice recordings of him 
screaming at me oh my and god it's so that literally disturbing. just fucking shiver through me i totally yeah. forgot about the voice yeah. recordings i remember when you played them oh to me. bless you yeah yeah i literally yeah. i felt so shit after i heard oh those, bless you i'm sorry fucking no god don't bloody apologize lucy no it's just like <laughs> just i just can't believe that he's he's terrifying but it's yeah, so good yeah. that you have them. It's it like, and that's the yeah. positive thing that you just have to look at. It's so good that you have these voice recordings, you have these images, you have yeah. the yeah. text messages because mm-hmm. he. Yeah. It's because he would he would make out of it. Because if you met him, it's like he just does this this cute little face of like he you know he, you know nicest guy in the world. He'll adapt his personality around you. Like literally everyone who meets him loves him. Um, and I just thought I can't I can't have people not believe me when he at behind closed doors he is an absolute cretin um so i was just like i mean taking those voice recordings i was terrified absolutely terrified but that sometimes is all you oh god when he saw me on my phone i had to like scatterly be like oh my god my sister's in hospital or something um honestly terrified absolutely terrified um but I'm glad I did because I can show people it's not just a matter of them trusting my word. I could literally be like, oh, that cutesy, nice person. Do you want to sound like this is the same person? So don't don't come at anyone who's been abused saying that you didn't expect it because he's such a nice guy. Bullshit. He's yeah. a nutter. And well, the I fact think, that he yeah. acts like a nice guy is even worse. But that's what I think the take home from like anyone listening to this conversation has to be. It's like, I know in some situations, like it can be so, so difficult and you might not think that you believe all of it or you might think it's exaggerated, but just for the sake of your friend, just believe them and just support them, support them, Mm -hmm. be there for them. If they do try to leave, understand that they might go back, but all you really need to do is support them, remind Mm -hmm. them how loved they are, remind them what their place in the world is. And, Mm -hmm. and yeah, help them where you can because I think ultimately Mm -hmm. that's what it does come down to it's like that you just need to be believed by people because most of the time you don't even know it yourself you do not know the situation Mm -hmm. that you're in like at all and absolutely terrifying yeah yeah and and the more people say oh he's such a nice guy the more you're stuck because you start to believe that all his mates would contribute to the gaslighting um and because they are nice that they, they are nice sometimes <laughs> like... exactly and then that that makes you think oh that must be them then the person they are with their mates that must be the real him but i piss him off i wind him yeah. up i do these things it must I'm be fucking me. annoying i'm really fat yeah. now yeah no wonder he's gonna treat me like that yeah oh yeah we've all been there. literally <laughs> exactly it's exactly that and i think that the you know the consequences of believing someone you know is is he, and the consequences of them, you know, being wrong about what they tell you, that's going to be, you know, so much smaller than the consequences of allowing um, them to be abused because you didn't believe them. Yeah. Like, that's why believing someone, always believe them. Yeah. Because, you know, if you don't, they're, they're just going to, it's just going to add to the insanity. It's going to add to the gaslight and it's going to add to the trauma bond. And that's the thing. People's friends, and it's so savage to say, and I don't like to blame on people other than the abuser because it's solely their fault. But people who do say to someone who's abused or doesn't believe them, they are part of the problem. And if someone comes to you and says, I can't believe that because he's a nice guy, you are part of the problem. Yeah. And people don't like to be told that because they they don't want to be a part of it but they made themselves a part of it by not believing the person who told them that yeah yeah it's quite it's really hard to even imagine that people would even say that that yeah. like who are you you're not in my relationship you have absolutely no idea yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really difficult. It yeah, is. and that, that was why I couldn't speak to people at work because he, A, convinced me that they all didn't like me and B, because when I did confide in someone, they didn't believe me. And after that, I just thought, oh, that's great. I'm such a shit person that I'm not even believed when I say that I've been thrown around a room. Like, that's what people think of me. That's the level of respect people have for me. Yeah. It just it just made everything worse. And then I started becoming obsessed with the friend who betrayed me at work and my evil ex's relationship. And that got under my skin because I I couldn't understand it. And it just, it's just like a concoction of insanity. Yeah, because everything adds to it. Everything plays Mm -hmm. a part in your mind. It adds to the narrative that you've already got in your head. And that narrative Mm -hmm. is always going to be that you're not worthy. Nobody believes you. Nobody likes you. That one individual is all you have in your life. Mm -hmm. And how fucking lucky are you that you've got them? Yeah. Not at all. They're butters, probably. (laughs) (laughs) In conclusion, in conclusion, and not only could you do 10 million times better than someone who hurts you, Mm. but the chances are they are doing what they do because they know that you could do better. And that's why they have to chip away at you because they know that you're the shit. So actually, when you unravel that yourself and realise just how fucking goddamn amazing you are, it is just like... That is just the added layer of just fuck you, man. Yeah. Like you are pathetic and butters. So it's worse. Literally you know the I mean? double whammy. <laughs> the complete double whammy. <laughs> um but yeah, and it just it just it, it just takes a while to undo the damage. And I and I honestly my heart breaks for anyone who has children with someone who is violent and, and aggressive. Um I I, I, I'm just with complete solidarity. I, 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 that makes things so much worse. Yeah. I can't imagine. I yeah. just can't imagine. And um, my heart goes out to to anyone who's, you know, had children with them or been married to them or stayed with them mm-hmm. um, for a certain amount of time. But at the same time, I, it might help to, to know that I understand. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need. And like the girl who messages me on Instagram, I know she's not gonna leave her partner but mm-hmm. I understand and that helps her for when she is ready to it's not my place to tell her what to do it's her place and her journey and when she summons that strength and trust me you have none at the end of a relationship yeah. like that when you do summon that strength it takes it takes everything out of you and that's what you're preparing for yourself for it's not you know it, it I don't know how people think that people just leave and that's it at the end of the story it's like you're you've got so much trauma then to unravel yeah. every single moment that he's ever done to you any single word that's that's gonna be that I'm gonna have to be undoing that for the rest of my life um yeah, yeah. so fuck him fuck him <laughs> In beautiful Nadia style summary it makes me honestly it makes me so angry and I think this is because obviously this isn't the first time obviously that I'm hearing all this and the first time I was absolutely fucking devastated and um, I remember because we were on we FaceTimed and um, I was home Mm -hmm. at my parents and we were on FaceTime for like four hours or something and then (laughs) um, Matt and my dad were in the garden like laying like a fucking patio or some shit like they were renovating (laughs) my dad's garden (laughs) and I just went and I just sat on the wall and I was just like staring and my dad was like are you all right and I was like no and then I thought, this is how I feel. Oh God, don't feel sorry for me. I was just like, if this is <laughs> if this is how I feel, like imagine how you must have felt. Like I felt emotionally drained. Like I cannot even imagine. And like obviously I 
and listeners don't know this, but I probably did get from the snippet of information I gave earlier. Like I was in obviously a very emotionally abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. um, which was not something I realized at the time at all. Um, I didn't realize it until, until we'd broken up. Um, but the the way that I felt after that was so emotionally drained. I was just Mm -hmm. so fucking distraught and I can't even imagine how I would feel if it had ever turned physical Mm -hmm. like I really don't because I I definitely wouldn't have probably even realized that I was in that kind of situation which is why Mm -hmm. I think I understand people who haven't been in any kind of abusive or manipulative relationship they don't understand how it can Mm -hmm. feel to to not realize that what is happening to you is is abuse that is not okay and you shouldn't be treated like that I think I fully understand why people don't get it but I think it's that's why it's important to have the conversation about it because Mm -hmm. um it's not something that you realize when it's happening to you. Like you might realize that it's not no. okay to feel that sad and you might realize that it's not okay to be feeling so just shit in your relationship, but you don't at all yeah. realize that you don't deserve it. I think that's what it comes down right. to. Yeah, 100%. And and actually like I had to get into affirmations and tell myself that every single day. Yeah. I had to say, Lucy, you didn't deserve any of that. Like every single day I had to repeat that to myself until I believed it. And now mm. I completely believe it. Yeah. I'm like, didn't deserve a, not even a, a second of what that pig did, but it's his, it's his problem. He's the psycho. It's not me. Um, and that takes it, that takes a while. And, and, you know, I'm the, honestly, I think emotional abuse is worse. And, and, and that is, you know, the physical and the, um, the sexual that that's worse for your body mm. in terms of the way that your body responds to trauma, but the emotional, you wouldn't put up with the physical if not for the emotional. And yes, that's why yeah. I think it's worse because if someone just, what well, I don't understand people think that, that you just, of course, if you just get hit all the time and there isn't emotional element, you're going to leave. Yeah, if someone just hit you in the street, yeah, you wouldn't just accept yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> like, you wouldn't just be like, all right, mate, take that, yeah. No, it's not how it works. Like, yeah. It's it's the, the psychological, so twisted. And I've even got a text message where, which I've shown you, which is completely baffling, where he's saying, I think the problem is your reaction to my violence. And I say, yeah, I think you might be right, baby. Literally. That is the level that it gets to you. Yeah. and. I'm just glad I have that message to expose that because it's so disturbing. Like, but in that moment, I believed him. I thought, oh yeah, good point. I'm letting him um, do or, this to me. Yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, me, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or when he said that I was the one who needed a therapist because of my deep set hatred for men. I was like, yeah, good point. I think that's, <laughs> let him say, <laughs> in it. Honestly, I'm when so, I look back on that, I'm so like, funny. that's what he was like. That's like, he, he only wanted to guarantee that he would get therapy. I know. Literally, what apparently because of my it? bloody package of daddy issues. Didn't think for a second he was probably the reason I hated men. Literally, that's honestly what I was laughing at. It's just like, I know. Fucking, because look at men, look how good we are. <laughs> look what I'm doing to you. <laughs> how dare you Literally. hate us. <laughs> I know. It's absolutely absurd. I don't know where it comes from. Probably entitlement. I think that certain is, people yeah. go through a certain level of privilege, just think, oh, that's mine. And I can just, he didn't like, it was actually worse for me because he had two, two violent relationships before where he was violent in them and they lasted a lot longer. Yeah. It's because I was feisty and it took him a while to, to grind me down that things happened so quickly. Um, in ter- because I fought back, which he hated and it made him 10 times more aggressive. Yeah. Um, and I think that, or I tried to fight back. I'm um, pretty pathetic. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out there. But <laughs> bless me. I did try. Um, oh, bless you, Lucy, and, yeah. you know, I think that that just, that 
they just detect they detect it and that's the thing and it can literally happen to anyone because one of his exes is from like a completely stable family so it wasn't even anything to do with me or the package of my trauma from growing up and that's another thing it's not it's not about you at all it's not about anything to do with your childhood or your i hate when people try and say oh you know it's a dance between a codependent and the narcissist it's not a fucking dance at all it's just a narcissist if you start pinning it on the codependent that that doesn't that doesn't it just blames the person for having you know attachment styles that you know are different but that doesn't mean that they then brought on abuse yeah well the, fuck? the problem is the abuse i know it does you know it's people not... actually say that fuck that yeah 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 <laughs> oh my gosh not to have it on the bar course i literally it was honestly like i had a threshold criteria um drafting session the other day like for a child that was going to go into care which i actually found interesting and not triggering at all but because it was because of a parent who yeah. was being beaten by the husband and all these privileged kids had a lovely analysis of um, the codependent trap. And one of them even said, oh, she must have a personality disorder if she's <gasps> going to keep going back to him. I was sat there, honestly, I found, it ba- I found it baffling. I was just, I actually was found it like really funny. Like it shouldn't be funny. Um, but I was just like, I cannot believe that this is what people believe. Um, Fuck lovely. There was there was a lovely there was a lo- there was a lovely lady who was in the group as well. He was like, I actually think that you guys need to consider the trauma bonds more. I just was like, they're like these people are clearly like the most uneducated, educated people I've ever met yeah. <laughs> like, in <Yeah>. my life, <laughs> literally. But yeah, people think that, and you hear that sort of stuff. And actually, I'm just kind of like, you know, nothing uh, until it happens to you. As the beautiful song by Lady Gaga, where she talks about her sexual assault. I used to cry to that song in the shower. But it's it's kind of cathartic. It really is. You know when you just get a song that just relates to your li- lyrics relate on like a spiritual level, like bar for bar, and you're just there and, and just belting it in the shower. It's actually a really good coping mechanism. Sally <laughs> used to, at, at, at uni, Sally used to listen to Bleeding Love by Leona Lewis and just sit in the shower with <laughs> a cubicle and just cry. <laughs> Oh but over nothing, like over nothing, it would just be like an emotional release for her. <laughs> She's gonna fucking kill me for saying that on it. <laughs> that is so jokes. That makes me feel so much better. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's like when you're driving along and it's like raining and you're just staring out the window, like <laughs> having an emotional musical video moment. <laughs> that is relatable. To be fair, everyone does it. Everyone does it. You gotta do what you gotta oh. do to cope with these things. <laughs> I mean, I personally wouldn't choose bleeding love, but other than oh, that, she's very basic, Sally. Choice. She's very basic. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh god, oh, right? Okay, gosh. I think we should probably leave it there. Um, yeah, but sure. thank you so much for no, sharing all anytime. of that because I think that was just—I'm sure that'll be so amazing for so many people to actually just hear like a really candid view on it I think it's very rare that you do hear that everything's mm-hmm. always very dramatized and kind of story told even in terms of like my podcast and things like that so thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on here and talking to us and hopefully in the future we can have another conversation about yeah. everything that's kind of happened since then and where you're at with your life so people can just see what a fucking boss ass bitch you are <laughs> yeah I love it I can't even do the finger click thing literally but really for it anyway <laughs> Um, do you want to promote your Instagram on here whilst we're here or? I mean, (laughs) I don't usually do plugs. That's not really a thing I do. Should I plug you? uh, (laughs) No, don't. Actually, it actually makes me feel cringe. Can people just find me if they do? And if they don't, then. (laughs) I can't, I can't do that. Like, I just, it just, no. I don't, even when someone's like, oh, you're an influencer now, I cringe. I die. I don't Lucy is at sexy philosopher (laughs) on Instagram. (laughs) 
or oh Lucy God, is at Nad says a, philosoph- a philosopher can't be sexy on Instagram. <laughs> I'm gonna prove you wrong. <laughs> you already have, babes. You already have. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions for Lucy, you can direct them to me, and I'm sure Lucy would love to answer them. She's very, as you Absolutely. can tell, vocal Absolutely. about the situation. Um, just yeah. because the more information that's out there and kind of breaking that stigma surrounding mm-hmm. abusive relationships is what is so important to get people talking about it and to notice mm-hmm. the signs in friends and co-workers and things like that. Um, so just, I think, yeah, the overriding message is look out for your friends, look out for your family and listen to them and believe them when they tell you that things are mm-hmm. happening to them because uh, probably nine and a half times out of 10, it's absolutely correct and probably it's much worse than they've even told you. So yeah, mm-hmm. just look after each other. All right. Thank you, guys. Speak to you soon. Bye. 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 If you have been affected by anything in this episode, please listen to the following. If you feel your life is in immediate danger, please call 999 or ask for Annie, which stands for Action Needed Immediately, at your local pharmacy. If you are unsure whether your relationship may be abusive or you are in need of advice, please take a look at the following organisations, which I have linked below, or call the Domestic Abuse Helpline on 0808 or please search for Refuge, Women's Aid or Karma Nirvana. Further advice can be found at the Citizens Advice website which has also been linked below. For male listeners, you can contact Men's Advice Line on 0808-801-0327 or search for the Mankind Initiative or the Everyman Project. Both of those are also linked below. If you have a friend or family member you suspect to be in an abusive relationship, the following advice has been given by Women's Aid. Listen to them. Try to understand and take care not to blame them. Tell them that they are not alone and that there are many people in the same situation. Acknowledge that it takes strength to trust someone enough to talk to them about experiencing abuse. Give time to talk, but don't push them to go into too much detail. Acknowledge that it is a frightening and very difficult situation. Tell them that no one deserves to be threatened or beaten, despite what the abuser has told them. Allow them to make their own decisions. You can offer to go with them to a hospital or to see a GP. Help to report the assault to the police if they choose to do so. Be ready to provide information on organisations that offer help to abused women and their children. Explore the available options with them. Tell them about Women's Aid and how to access their website. Try to plan safe strategies for leaving an abusive relationship. Create boundaries of what is safe and what is not safe. Don't urge them to follow any strategies that they have expressed doubt about. Offer your friend the use of your address and or telephone number to leave information and messages and tell them you will look after an emergency bag if that's what they want. Look after yourself while you are supporting someone through such a difficult and emotional time. Ensure that you do not put yourself into a dangerous situation. For example, do not offer to talk to the abuser about your friend or let yourself be seen by the abuser as a threat to their relationship. For all the links and phone numbers, please see the description box.